Aztec Nation, the last big milestone of the offseason has happened. The offseason schedule, the full offseason schedule has been released. And so that is what we're going to be talking about today. This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. My name is Trone. You can find the show on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, all the places you get your podcast. Make sure to follow or subscribe or like or whatever the case might be on your particular platform. You can find me on social media at Aztec Breakdown on all the major social media sites as well as at uh, AztecBreakdown.com. So with that out of the way, let's get into it. The non-conference schedule has been released, and it seems just like as a general strategy year in and year out that the coaching staff tries to get six games against quality competition in the non-conference. It seems to be the number that they have settled in on. It seems like every every year about this time, I'm talking about how there will be, you know, six games against against quality teams like that that should be either quad one or quad two games in the non-conference and I think six games is a fine number I I do think it can get a little hairy if some of those teams end up not being as good as they were supposed to be and it feels like that's happened at least the last two years in a row and I think the most obvious example is Arizona State because for the past two years, they were supposed to be like at least a quad two game for two, for two years in a row. And they, they underperformed both times. And so, you know, if, if your goal is six and then a couple teams underperform, now you're down to three or four, is three or four enough? I, I you know, I, I can't say for sure whether or not they do that calculus when they make their schedule. You know, it's it's very possible that they're they're like, you know, four will be enough, so let's schedule six in case a couple don't pan out. It's also possible that they're like, we want six. And then and then if a couple don't work out, it's like, well, shoot. So, you know, I can't I can't speak to exactly what's going on in their heads, but assuming six, you know, all six play out, this should be a tough schedule and it gets tough pretty quick on top of that, right? This this schedule released 12 games plus like a preseason exhibition. And if I understand the rules correctly, they can still add like a midseason exhibition somewhere as well, which they might do. There are a couple spots where there are breaks of eight or nine days that that a game in theory could be added. I don't know for sure if they have room on their schedule to add like a real game, you know, like if, if there's some sort of COVID pause this year and a good team is looking to, to make up a game in that time frame. I don't know if the Aztecs could step in. I don't know if they, if they have room, if the rules allow that, but I do believe at the very least they could add another exhibition if they wanted. But, you know, you got you got the first preseason exhibition, which I'm I'm gonna start just saying now, right? Uh, it won't be on it won't be on TV anywhere. But what happens pretty much every year, and there's no there's no guarantees, but pretty much every year, there is at least one person who goes to the game 
and just kind of like they they live stream it they go normally on facebook live they live stream the game and so that's how you can watch it so i'm letting people know now because uh last year when i was trying to watch the game i posted the link to the live stream but then you know a bunch of people were like asking questions and stuff and it's it's not inherently a problem to ask questions but uh I ended up spending a, I ended up spending so much time like troubleshooting other people's issues that I didn't get to see much of the game itself, which was a bummer. So I'm not going to be doing that this year because I just want to enjoy the game, right? It's not for it's not for weeks yet still. So like, but I'm already wanting to watch it. So that's what I'm going to do. But I'm going to let it be known, like somebody on Facebook. There's a Facebook group, and I'll I'll post the Facebook group on the day, just like that. But but after that, I won't be doing any troubleshooting. Anyways, somebody will probably be live streaming the game to watch it. The first official game is against Cal State Fullerton, if I'm remembering correctly. And the exhibition, I, I don't think I said, is against San Diego Christian. And so both of those are, are they're essentially tune-up games, right? They're games you're, you're playing against some worse competition, you're doing it at home. The exhibition doesn't even count. And so they get to practice some routines and go through some stuff. And, and also you'll get a lot of like the younger players playing, or you'll get the walk-ons playing, right? It'll be a good time to see somebody like Kate Alger, right? The, the preferred walk-on. It'll be a good time to see, you know, I don't know if Miles Bird will be redshirting or not this year if I had to predict I would say he would but I can't say for sure but even if he's redshirting like the exhibitions don't count so he can play in the exhibition right so different guys will get more minutes than they usually do and that's that's great because it lets us lets us see everybody the first game that counts right against an actual opponent is Cal State Fullerton and once again that'll be a tune-up a tune game, but it'll be a little more serious, right? You won't have players that are redshirting play. You won't have, you know, 11th and 12th guys play unless it's a blowout. So that'll be a game where people, once again, they're getting on the court. They're facing opposition that's not just themselves in practice, right? They're, they're doing all these things. But ultimately, I, I mean, I haven't looked at Cal State Fullerton, and it's possible that they could be like the favorite in their conference but if you're the favorite in like the big west it still doesn't mean a whole lot right and i don't even know if that's where fullerton is honestly but it's it doesn't mean a whole lot and so there's been years past where the aztecs will play somebody like texas southern and some and and people are like this is a good schedule because texas southern is the favorite in their conference and it's like yeah but they're they're still going to finish worse than 200th in the national rankings like <laughs> being the favorite in the conference doesn't mean a whole lot if it's a bad conference so it'll be a tune-up game the aztecs should should win pretty pretty handedly pretty easily then four days after that second game of the season they're playing byu and so that will likely be a tough game. The Aztecs have lost the last two against BYU. Two years ago was the game where Matt Mitchell went crazy and scored like 35 or something ridiculous. Uh, brought the Aztecs back from the brink like they were being dominated all game. Matt Mitchell went off, got them, got them either tied or like within one score. And then 
then then the team couldn't hit any shots after that and and BYU won and then last year was the one that like was super frustrating because of the officiating and and you don't want to use that as as an excuse but there was some bad officiating and I still I still remember pretty vividly there was a play where Adam Seiko's coming down in transition and uh Keisha Johnson and Caleb Lohner are kind of behind him and so they're both running in transition as well and Johnson realizes Seiko's going to shoot so he starts to just slow down he's still running but he's just slowing down that way Lohner has to go around him and it, it's 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 essentially a screen right and it's it's in a lot of ways it's a moving screen but it's not going to be called as that because it's not it's just two people running down the floor right you can't you can't tell somebody that they have to run faster that's not how it works so very smart play by Kashad Johnson and Caleb Lohner responds by just pushing Johnson and Johnson ends up running into another BYU player off of the push and the refs called the foul on Johnson rather than on Lohner who did the push in the first place and uh in the meantime Seiko had hit a three but it didn't count because of the foul and like it was just they were just multiple multiple plays like that right and the yeah, Aztecs ended up losing by six in in what was a close game throughout pretty much the whole thing so the Aztecs have lost a couple in a row and you know they'll be looking to to take one because they had before that they were on like a four game winning streak against against BYU so you know they'll be looking to take one again it will be the second game I do kind of feel like I wish they could get another game or two before playing these games against competition that should be pretty good. But, alas, they got BYU in the second game. And BYU did have an off year last year. They finished, I think, fifth in the WCC. But I wouldn't expect that again this year. I'd expect year in and year out they're going to be they're going to be pretty good. I, I Similarly, I haven't looked at their roster. I know Caleb Lohner isn't on it anymore, and I know their star, Alex Barcelo, I think also isn't on it anymore. So they're going to, they're going, they're going to look different. They did get a guy, and I don't remember who, but there was somebody at BYU and SDSU were recruiting from like Southern Carolina or something, and he ended up choosing BYU. And so as a fan, that might be fun to to get a little jabbing in there and, and have the Aztecs want to be like, see, you should have chosen the Aztecs. Even though I do think after looking at the tape and stuff that it was probably better that that, that guy, and, and it's, it's funny to say because I don't even remember his name, but I do think it was better to get a guy like Micah Parrish over over that guy. It might have been Baum. might have been Baum. I don't remember. It's not super important, but... But that's that's the BYU game. I think at home, this Aztecs team, with all the talent it has, they should be able to beat BYU, right? If it was on the road, it might be different, but this is at Viejas Arena. Viejas should be, should be going crazy because it's BYU, and even in the down years, the BYU game would sell out, even when the team wasn't very good, right? And this year, they should be really good. So that game should be a sellout Vieja should be rocking and I am very hopeful that that game will be a win because BYU's probably the closest thing the Aztecs have to a rival and it's tough when they're out of conference but I digress after BYU you get Stanford 
Stanford is on the road. It's another four days afterwards. And I do think four days is probably a good amount of time. I know Coach Dutcher and his staff will often talk about the the pacing of scheduling, right? And how you don't want to necessarily have too little time in between games, especially against for like for big games because it just gives you less time to prepare. But you also don't watch don't want too much time because then you kind of get out of a game rhythm and it's going to take you a little bit to get back into it, whether it's 10 minutes or a half or or a whole game, right? And so it seems like he normally tries to get three to four games for these for these big ones. And I, I, I do happen to like having four days because that gives you, you know, if you finish BYU, you can have a day to do film study and and just like uh you know body maintenance I, the words are losing are escaping me right now here but you know treatment treatment that's what i'm thinking of you can do film study and treatment and then you get a couple days to to prepare and then for stanford especially i would imagine you uh, you probably actually go the night before but you get a couple days to prepare you travel out do a walk through that morning and then you're good so it seems like a good amount of time Right, and it'll be the same thing for BYU, just without the traveling. Right, they'll, they'll they'll finish Fullerton, they can get a day for for treatment. Hopefully, there's not too much, having only played two games. But I mean, also, you know, these guys' bodies have to be in tip-top shape, so you know there'll be some. But you get a couple days to to a couple full days to prepare, and and when BYU comes, you get a full day. And for Fullerton, or not for Fullerton for Stanford, you do have to travel, but. It seems like a good amount of time. Stanford isn't, from what I have seen, Stanford isn't expected to be super good this year. There, it seems like they'll be kind of middle of the pack, uh, Pac-12. So not a world beater by by any stretch of the imagination. They should. I, I'm hopeful, and it's it's easy to see how they should. Although I guess it's also possible that they wouldn't. But they should be a quad to opponent because the game is on the road. So they just have to be in the top 135 teams in the net. That's all they have to do to be a quad two team. And for a power conference team, that shouldn't be too difficult overall. That being said, it does happen every year where it doesn't happen. And, and I brought up Arizona State earlier, and they... They weren't even a quad two team on the road, right? They were they were quad three or maybe even quad four. They were bad. So things can happen, right? But you're you're definitely hoping Stanford is a quad two. I think you're probably hoping BYU at, at home is tougher because the the quads are different based on home or, or road, home or away. And BYU is at home. And so for them to be quad two, they have to be a top 75 team in the nation which is year in and year out definitely doable for BYU because they do seem to be a good program with some good coaching last year like I said they fell off a little bit but you're hoping for a bounce back it should be a fun rivalry game regardless for BYU but if they're not quad two at home then and then it's not really a resume builder, and I, I wouldn't expect them to have such 
a drastic bounce back that they end up as a quad one game at home because that's a that's a top 30 team in the nation right like the Aztecs might be good enough to give other people quad one games at home but not many teams are so I wouldn't expect that from BYU you're hoping BYU can be quad two and I I'm, I would I would go so far as to say I'm expecting Stanford to be quad two although you don't know for sure after Stanford they have a break of six days and hopefully that's not one of those breaks that is that is too long that that we were talking about earlier hopefully they don't lose their their game time rhythm they would have only played three games in an exhibition at that point but you still you know there's rhythms there's routines there's all sorts of stuff and so hopefully they don't lose it because that next game is in the Maui Invitational on the Monday before Thanksgiving I think it's the 21st of November and it's against Ohio State and Ohio State is supposed to be pretty good and the Maui Invitational is going to be a crucial three game three game event right and and especially if if a team like BYU if they're not a quad two team if they're not a top 75 team then all of a sudden that resume builder is is gone right that's what I was just talking about earlier if Stanford isn't a top 135 team that resume builder is gone if both of them are gone then you don't have a single resume builder yet and you're you're a few games into the season right and so Maui's going to be critical because all these teams are supposed to be really good, like to the point where even if they underachieve, a lot of them should still be quad two, quad two teams, right? And that like Ohio State, if Ohio State underachieves, playing them on a neutral floor, they should still be a top 100 team, even if even if they aren't as good as they're supposed to be. So it's going to be it's going to be crucial in Maui. You're probably you I mean you're definitely going to need to win at least one game for sure that is the absolute bare minimum if you want to show what you can do this season you need to win at least one and hopefully that one comes up against a good team i think probably cincinnati is the worst team in the field and so if you go and you cincinnati is a possibility for the aztecs second game they are they are playing Arizona in their first game. They will definitely be expected to lose. So if if the Aztecs, let's say they lose to Ohio State, and then they come back and they beat Cincinnati, and then they lose their last game to somebody else, I that might not be a successful trip in all in all reality, unless unless Cincinnati overachieves. And it it might like Cincinnati might still be a quad two win on the road, but it it would be tough right so if that's your only win in Maui the team is is underachieving to to in the early in the early stages it doesn't necessarily mean the season is over right but but things just get tighter essentially so you need to win at least one against here, here's what I'll say you need to win at least one game against like a quality opponent right i guess that could mean two quad two wins or one quad one win but you got to get at least one and ideally for it to be i think like considered successful i think you need to win you need to win two regardless like 
two and one in Maui will will likely mean a quad one win and a quad two win, if not two quad one wins, honestly. For example, if you were to beat Ohio State in the first day and then beat Arizona in the second day, it's probably two quad one wins right off the bat. And then even if you lose the third game, you're still you're still fine. So I think you need you need one minimum and you need two for it to be considered a successful trip. And obviously ideally they win all three. The the team that wins Maui every year seems to have a pretty good track record of like how far they can go in the tournament and stuff. So if you can win all three, that will turn some heads and at that point that'll be like when you know going back to the 2020 season and and the similarities between that these teams right when the Aztecs in 2020 beat BYU on the road it was like okay this is a this is a good win they just beat a good team but then when they went to Vegas and they beat both Creighton and Iowa and especially Iowa cuz like for, they dominated Creighton and then they beat Iowa and it seemed like nobody was expecting them to beat Iowa at that point it was like oh this team might be for real right I do think this 2023 team is starting off in the national perspective, more in the spotlight. That 2020 team, I think most of us thought would be pretty good. Maybe not as good as they were, but still pretty good. But they didn't start off in the spotlight the way this 2023 team is. This 2023 team it seems like they'll be ranked in the preseason, which is surprising to me, but is is great in terms of like national recognition and reputation and stuff and the ranked teams get talked about more on on national television and things of that nature so it's a good thing overall but if if they were able to win Maui they would really turn some heads and there would there would be talk not just about this being you know a top 25 team a team that can maybe make it to the sweet 16 a team that can maybe you know, at the very least, get the Aztecs past the first round for the first time in, in a long time, right? It's been, it's been almost a decade here. I think 2015 was the last tournament where they, where they, uh, won a game. And so, you know, a a team that can do that, there, there will, that talk will start, right? And I think overall, that'll be a good thing. If they go two and one, they still show that they're a good team, but, there won't be as much talk about like elite eights or final four potential type stuff. And if they just win one, then, then they're in a little bit of trouble. I think after Maui, they have the schedule starts to cool down right at this point, they've played six games and basically five of them are against pretty tough competition. Three of them, four of them have been away from Viejas, right? So things start to cool down. They get three games all at home against against not very good teams, right? They got UC Irvine, they got Occidental, and they got Troy. And between all those teams, it should be three relatively easy dubs, right? Nothing is nothing is guaranteed ever, but those those should be three wins all at Viejas, right? Just games to to keep up the swing of things, games to pad that that win-loss record, right? Games to to you're not really building a resume in the sense of like adding quality wins, but you are just in the sense of of adding wins to the column in general, right? And so 
you get three games like that. I'm not going to go really deep into any of those teams because for the most part, if they're wins, they're not really consequential other than, you know, like I said, padding that win column. If one of those games is a loss, then the season is is maybe looking pretty hairy and it's not it's not impossible. There was a point last season where Boise State pretty early lost it like a quad four game. And I tweeted out, I was like, well, they're, they're done in the sense of March Madness. And, uh, turns out they, they were not, and, and they did get the automatic bid, but even if they didn't, they were going to, they were going to make it even with that quad four loss, they did good enough everywhere else. So it's not impossible, but just the margin of error, if one of those games is lost, becomes very, very small. So hopefully three relatively easy wins at home. After those three games, after that soft spot in the schedule, the Aztecs have their last of the challenging games on December 10th against St. Mary's. I do happen to like when St. Mary's gets on the schedule. They're just normally a good team, right? They're a good program. They're in California. Seems like it should be a game that's played pretty much every year. And and, and to be fair, it has been every year. This, this will be the third year in a row, at least so in the, in the very recent past. It's been every year. And to the Aztecs' credit, they have won both of the last two matchups. So that has been great. The game will be played on a neutral floor out in Phoenix. I feel like it would be nice to get a home-and-home with them maybe, but neutral's fine too. Neutral's fine too. It, it, the neutral helps in terms of hopefully St. Mary's can be at least a quad two team. I haven't looked at them a whole lot to see how they're projecting, but it's normally a pretty safe bet that they'll be at least a top 100 team, and ideally they can be a top 50 team in the net, because on a neutral that makes you a quad one, but top 100 on a neutral makes you a quad two, and it seems, generally speaking, it's a pretty safe bet that St. Mary's will be at least a quad two opponent. And then after St. Mary's, they have a couple more easier games, both of them at Viejas. One is against Kennesaw State, and the other is against UC San Diego. Similar to the the three I just mentioned, right? These are both relatively, like they're easier opponents, right? Probably neither one will be in the top half of teams in the nation. And like I said earlier, there's no guarantees, but they should be relatively easy wins before Christmas break. That game against UC San Diego is the last non-conference game is on December 20th. Then they will get a, a break for Christmas time, winter break, whatever you want to call it. They'll get, you know, I'm sure a couple days off to be with their, their families and stuff. And then you got Air Force on December 28th. And so that is the non-conference schedule. I think overall there's 12 games. You expect them to probably lose one in Maui and maybe one more, honestly. But when I look at it, and granted, I haven't done a whole lot of looking at how these teams should be looking. But, you know, half the games, you definitely just, just pencil in as dubs. And then... You got those six challenging ones, right? You lose. You probably expect to lose one in Maui, and and, and they're definitely capable 
of running the table now, but you expect to lose one there just because the competition is so tough. It's three games in three days, the whole deal. But I feel like they should beat BYU based on BYU overall wasn't all that good last year, and, and I, I do know that they, they beat the Aztecs last year, but even if both teams are better, the Aztecs should be better by more. And honestly, if you played that game, you know, a hundred times last year, I think the Aztecs come out with the majority of them, and it was just some some kind of fluky things that cost it. So I think, and especially at home, I think you expect the Aztecs to win that game against BYU. Stanford, it is on the road. I'm kind of expecting the Aztecs to win that game, though, too, just because Stanford, while they are a, a, a you know Power 5 opponent, they aren't, like, elite, usually, in any given year. They're usually solid, but not elite. And the Aztecs this year look like they should be elite. The, the only tricky part about these two games is that it's so early in the season that it can make more of those fluky things happen as guys are still trying to figure each other out and and really maximize each other's abilities, right? And we see that with the Aztecs every year, that towards the end of the season, they're generally playing their best ball at, at the very least until until March Madness starts. So it's it's which is tough, but you know in 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 conference play and in the tournament they're usually playing better than they were in the beginning of the year, which I think is true for everybody. But but the Aztecs tend to do it even more so. So that's the only tricky thing about those two games. But talent wise and and even, you know, other things like coaching-wise and stuff like that, I think, I think you expect the Aztecs to take those two games. And so you have the one loss in Maui, and I, I expect them to win against St. Mary's, too. Honestly, between this Aztecs team should be good. They've beaten St. Mary's the last couple of years. So we could very well be looking, like, I think 11-1 in the non-conference would be my prediction as it stands right now. And then they might, a game might get added or swapped out or something, but as it stands right now, I think 11 and one is my prediction for the non-conference schedule. And I would not be super surprised if it was 13. and I also wouldn't be super surprised if it was, if it was 10 and two, I think 10 and two is still, probably a successful non-conference schedule. It just kind of depends on where the two come from. If it's if it's two in Maui, right, like I was kind of saying earlier, that, that might be a little sketchy. If it's, you know, you lose one in Maui and then St. Mary's or Stanford or somebody, you know, is just really good and, and better than people were expecting, then you're still okay, right? It's, it's not ideal, but you're still okay. And so that's something to look at. But I'm I'm gonna say, as my prediction, eleven and one combined with my sixteen and two prediction for the conference season that I did a couple shows ago, we are now looking at twenty seven and three for for both of the, the portions of the regular season combined, with three games left in the Mountain West tournament. And you know they're going to win at least two of those. So we're looking at 
at least 29 and 4, if not if not 30 and 3. So it it just looking at the math and looking at the schedules here, another another 30 win season is very much within reach, and that's not even counting March Madness, which I, I've said before, this should be the year. This should be the year that they're able to to write that ship. And if they do, it's looking like they should get even more than 30 wins, honestly. But a 30-win season, especially even if, right, even if they lose one or two more games that I'm not predicting here, but then they win a couple of March Madness, it's still a 31 season. So they are they are very much within reach of a 31 season, which would be great for the program and great for the players and great for the coaches. And and most importantly for our purposes, great for the fans, because we're all gonna have a lot of fun this year if they win 30 games. It'll be it'll be a good year. So Aztec fans, I think that does it for this one. Thank you so much for listening, and I will Catch you next time.